we're going to avoid this great white throne judgment that's coming. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never took a time and put your faith into Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this would be the time. Because what I'm about to show you right here, if you're saved, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to break your heart if you're saved in here when you're going to see what's going to happen. And if you're not saved in here, it should terrify you. Because this great white throne judgment is God's judgment on mankind. It's what everybody's scared of. If you have any kind of sense, you're scared that one day you're going to stand before God and have to answer for all your sins. That's a, that's a horrible thought. And the only way you're going to get out of it is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm telling you, as, as we get through the rest of this uh, ser service, I'm probably going to go about 30 minutes, and then I'm going to give an invitation. It'll be, your, it'll be a good chance for you to come on down and to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's the best thing going. You know, uh, if you want to see, see heaven, it's going to be Jesus Christ. If you want a mansion, he's got a mansion waiting for you. We're just singing about it. It's going to be Jesus Christ. If you're going to if you're going to get to see your loved ones that have died and gone on before you, like Brother Raymond, I was talking about Brother Raymond. I'm going to get to see Brother Raymond again. It's nothing that Brother Raymond did or Brother Keegan did. It's all about what Jesus Christ did. I just put my faith in Jesus Christ, and He saved me. Brother Raymond put his faith in Jesus Christ, and He saved Brother Raymond. We're no good. We're just a bunch of beggars. But Jesus Christ, He's a King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what can a beggar give a king? Well, we can't give nothing. But he's willing to give us eternal life and we'll just receive that precious gift of eternal life that he gave on that cross of Calvary when he died for mine and your sins. It's important to know this because we're about to see what happens if you don't know it and what's, going to, what's to come. Now look at Revelation chapter 20. We'll go start back up at verse 4 to get the context. Last Sunday I preached on the first resurrection. Now, this, this Sunday, I'm going to preach on the second resurrection, the great white throne judgment. Verse 4, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, And I saw thrones, they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years now that thousand year reign of Jesus Christ after the rapture the church the, uh, the, the, uh, after the rapture the church goes up and goes to the judgment seat of Christ and while we're up at the judgment seat of Christ for seven years the earth is going through tribulation period for seven years the Antichrist rises up the mark of the beast all the stuff you know about all hell breaks loose where God pours his wrath out on mankind for seven years and we've studied that together and after that seven years uh, there's a marriage up in heaven that's the marriage of the church to Jesus Christ and then Jesus Christ gets up on a white horse and we follow him and he comes back and the battle Armageddon takes place. He comes in, he destroys those nations that are going against Jerusalem. He sits, Jesus Christ, he sits as a king of kings and lord of lords and he reigns and rules for a thousand years. And this earth regenerates and I preached on that. It starts regenerating, this earth becomes like the Garden of Eden again. The lamb and the lion lay down together. Uh, the kids are playing on rattlesnakes' dens. It's, if you were to die at 100 years old, you would die like a little child, the Bible says. All this wonderful stuff for a thousand years. And then after a thousand years, the devil's going to be loosed for a season. But look at verse 5. But the rest of the dead live not again. That's the dead who, who died before 
that first resurrection, that rapture and that main harvest. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished, that thousand year reign of Christ. This is the first resurrection. And I preached on that last Sunday. Verse 6, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. And I'll speak on that second death. But they shall be priests of God in Christ and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. We'll be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ for that thousand year millennial reign as he reigns on this earth as a king of kings. The verse 7, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And I preached on that Gog and Magog last Sunday. Verse 9, and they went up on the breadth of the earth, compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So they, Satan is loose. The Bible says there in verse 4, for a little season, and he's loose for a little season. When he's loosed, he's, he, well, a season will be about three months, and he gathers all the people that are left over that came through the tribulation period. And for that thousand years, they're multiplying by the billions. And he takes them, and he comes back against God, and then God brings fire down from heaven and destroys them. It's real quick. Right again, goes against Jerusalem and destroys them. Then verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the end of Satan right there. After the thousand years, Satan's done. It's all over with. Now, now we're getting into verse 11. This is the second resurrection. This is the one you don't want to be a part of. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those book, things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as I humbly read these words, Lord God, it's terrifying to think of people going to stand before you, Lord God, being judged for their works, for their sins, Lord God, and I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as the Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray you speak to the heart right now. And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will lead, guide, and direct into all truth, Lord God. And as we give an invitation at the end of this service, Lord, that they'll make a decision for you. If they need to make a decision, they'll come on down, Lord God. We're not asking them to come down here and join the church or to get baptized down here or to be a part of Indian Gap Baptist Church. We're inviting them, Lord, to receive you as the Lord and Savior. Lord, make it plain and clear to their mind. And Lord, make it plain and clear what hell is like, Lord God, as we read about it and study it. And Lord, I pray a blessing on this service. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So, look up at verse 11. Look up at verse 11. The second resurrection, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whom face the earth and the heaven fled away. The earth, now after Satan's thrown into the lake of fire, earth and heaven are going to dissolve, they're going to burn up, they're going to go away. It's going to, boom, it's going to go away. And when it goes away, then you're going to have, everybody's going to be floating out in outer space as God in his great white throne is going to start judging the going to start judging man and woman and what they did in their flesh on this earth. 
And as we get through this right here, what will happen next in chapter 21, then God's going to make a new heavens and new earth. As when he gets rid of all that sin, he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. Now keep your hand here, but turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. I think it's important. Go to the left, 2 Peter chapter 3. I think it's important enough to look at this with your own eyes and to read it with me. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. And let's read what Peter's account of this thing, same thing takes place. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. I think it's important to read this together. So the heavens and the earth are going to get burned up. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. A great noise. See, science always tries to put the big bang at the beginning. The big bang's at the end. God created the heavens and the earth. He created it. They, they, got, they got it right. There's going to be a big bang, but it's going to be at the end. With a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Everything you see before your very eyes. This pulpit, this church, these lights, the clothes you have on. Everything's going to be burned up, be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be? And all holy conversation and godliness. Peter's, Peter's point is, knowing that everything you're collecting, everything you're reading, the TVs, the phones, everything's going to get burned up, your cars, your houses, all this is going to get burned up and dissolved. What kind of person should you be knowing that? You should be a spiritually minded person and not be in the world knowing this world's going to die. You're going to die anyway, amen? If you're going to go in the grave, this world's going to dissolve eventually. You're not going to be able to take it with you. And even if you could, it's going to dissolve in the grave. It's all going to go away. Verse 12, look at verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. There it is. That's what we're looking for. This thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, after it takes place and Satan's loose for a season, when God brings fire down and basically the earth is dissolved and burned up and it goes out with a big bang and we're, all of us are out in outer space, that's when that second resurrection takes place. Now go back to Revelation, excuse me, go back to Revelation chapter 20. That's when that second that second uh, resurrection takes place. The dead that are down in Sheol. If you died today, your soul is going to go one or two places. Your soul, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you die today, your soul will leave your body and your soul will go up to be with heaven to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. If you die today without Jesus Christ, your body, your, your body will go in the grave and your soul will descend down into hell. And that's where you'll wait. For at least a thousand years until the millennial reigns over. And then after that thousand year, you'll be down there burning and in torment. And then there's going to be a big bang. And then you're going to have that, that body given to you again. And you'll stand before God naked as he opens up the books. Verse 11. Revelation 20, 11, I saw a great white throne. Him that sat on it from whom's face the earth and heaven fled away. They dissolved. And there's found no place for them. You know in Psalms... The psalmist describes this taking place. He says, God, you're going to take this heavens and you're going to take this earth and these heavens, you're going to take them off like a person would take off an old garment and throw it away. And then God's going to put on a new garment. 
That's how the psalmist describes, he, in Hebrews, describes this taking place. And there's no place for them. There's no place for heaven or, or earth. You just, it's just outer, split, outer space. It's nothing. It's verse 12, and I saw the dead. Christians are never called dead. We're, we're alive. Amen. We're alive. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. You're going to stand before God. And the books were open. Well, that's a scary thought. What books are going to be there? Well, Daniel describes this great, uh, great uh, judgment. He says, I behold, in Daniel chapter 7, I'll read this to you. Don't turn there. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. He says, I've seen this God, and he was sitting on a throne, and he had this wool, his hair was white like wool. That goes back to what you see going on in England. And you've seen it in the first of America where they, the judge would always stand, where the judge would have that white wool wig on. That's why they wore the white wool wig, because it stood for judgment. Somebody was about to get judged. And in Daniel 7:10, a fiery stream, this fire is issuing out, and came forth before him, before that throne. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him. That's us. We're ministering unto God. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. That's in judgment. The judgment was set and the books were opened. The books were opened. Scary thought. What books are going to be opened? Well, obviously, first book that will be opened will be the Word of God. Jesus said this Word will never pass away. You'll be judged by the Word of God. And the second book that will be opened, and man, this should scare you, will be the book of your life. And written in everything in that book, it'll be everything you ever did, good or bad. That's a scary thought. <laughs> some of you young ladies, uh, some of you older ladies that used to keep a diary, would you want somebody getting a hold of your diary? I know my little sister, she had a diary, and I found a way to break that thing open. Man, she about killed me for that. <laughs> the whole world's going to see it. Everything you ever did, the good and the bad. The books are open. The books are open. It says there, and I saw the dead, small and great. It don't matter who you are, small or great. Every president that's gone on, every president of the United States is going to stand at this judgment if they aren't saved. Every rich man, every poor man. It don't matter the beggar that doesn't know Jesus Christ and the president of the United States, a ruler, Napoleon, if he wasn't saved, he's going to stand before Jesus Christ. No, Hitler's going to stand before Jesus Christ. The great men and the small men, everybody's going to stand before Jesus Christ and be judged. And it says, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. That's us. <laughs> That's the book you want to be a part of. It says, Paul says about the book of life, he says, with, he says, whose names are in the book of life. Talking about other, he's listing a bunch of people's names. He says, whose names are in the book of life. That was in Philippians. Jesus Christ said in Luke 10, the disciples were bragging. He said, man, the demons were casting out devils. We're healing people. And he says, you know what? Instead of bragging about that, Jesus Christ says, he says, instead of rejoicing about that, rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. You need to be rejoicing that your names are written in heaven. And your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's where it wants the Book of Life. That's where you want your. That's where you want your your name to be writ written, which is the Book of Life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. 
What a scary thought. What a scary thought. A book is written down, everything, all the works you've ever done. All those skeletons you're hiding in the closet, they're going to be revealed before God that day. If you're not saved. If you're not saved. You know, it says that there, you'll be judged. He's saying you might ask yourself, well, who, I'll be, who will I be judged by? Who will be judging me? First off, Jesus Christ will be your judge. Acts chapter 17, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. How do you know what man it is? Is it Buddha? Is it Muhammad? Is it Jesus? Is it the Pope? Who's that man? And he says, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men. He says, I'm going to assure you who that man is and that he hath raised him from the dead. That would be Jesus Christ. That's how you know you got the right one in Jesus Christ. You know Jesus Christ is the right Savior because he's resurrected, but you also know he's going to be the judge of you because he's resurrected. And that's God's assurance to you. You're going to be judged by Jesus Christ, his righteousness. See, man has a funny feeling. they got this funny way of looking at things. They think, okay, well, if I'm just good enough, when I, get, I stand before God, God's going to put all my works on one side, all my good works on one side, all my bad works on this side, it'll be kind of like a scale, kind of like a weight. And then if my good works outweigh my bad works, then God will say, okay, well, you've been just good enough. Go ahead and go on into heaven. Like, oh, praise God, I get to go to heaven. Uh-uh. That's not how God's going to judge you. You know how God's going to judge you? He's going to put you on this side with all your sin and all your works, good and bad, and then he's going to judge you against this side over here. His name is Jesus Christ. He's going to be on this side. Now, do you think you stand a chance? If you know anything about Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you, you don't stand a chance. Your righteousness against the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you don't stand a chance. And the world thinks, well, I'll just be just good enough and my bad. I haven't been that bad. And No, see, not only are you going to be judged by Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're going to be judged by the saints. You're going to be judged by Christians. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Do you not, Paul says to the church, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? The saints shall judge. So when this judgment takes place and Jesus Christ is on his throne judging as he's judging every man and woman that comes before him and he looks through their life and opens up the books and sees the good and the bad, he's judging them as the world, the whole world hears, the whole universe hears what they've done, good and bad, will be standing behind him as he's judging the whole world. The saints will be there judging. That's a terrible thought. And let me tell you why that's a terrible thought. That's a terrible thought because when you're standing out there behind Jesus Christ and you're watching one after another person getting judged, person getting judged, and then here comes your old uncle that never took Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior come up there. That's, that's uncle so-and-so. And to hear all the, and see the terror on his eyes, to see the fear in his eyes, and to see Jesus Christ judging him for his sins and taking him and casting him into a devil's hell. You'll notice if you study this book, there's no more tears until after this. Brothers and sisters, there's going to be a lot of tears shed at this judgment. As we see loved ones that we tried to witness to come across that never would take Jesus Christ. What a terrible and horrible thing that's going to be. To see them being judged for the sin that they had. That they would not take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Here's the most horrible thing though. You'll be judged by Jesus Christ... You're going to be judged by the saints, but here's the most horrible thing. You're going to be judged by your own words. Lost man or woman, 
you're going to be judged by your own words. This is terrifying. Look at, if you're with me, turn to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. No, tell you what, for time's sake, just turn to Matthew chapter 12. Turn to Matthew 12. Y'all know where Matthew 12 is, and I'll turn to Job and read that to you. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. And I'm going to read Job chapter 9 to you. Y'all turn to Matthew 12 if you're following with me. Man, the most horrible and terrifying thing you can think of is that God's going to use your own words to judge you. Oh, man. Wow. Uh, That's horrifying and terrifying. Job says in Job chapter 9, in Job chapter 9, Job says, if I justify myself, if I say, hey, I'm, I'm okay, There's nothing. I wasn't that bad a boy, mine own mouth shall condemn me. Job says, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I'm perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Your own words are going to judge you. I know this to be true. I'm telling you, we're hypocrites. And the way we're hypocrites is with our mouth. I mean, people like to judge Christians for being hypocrites the way we live. And hey, we are hypocrites, amen? We're still in the flesh. We're sinners saved by mighty grace. And we get saved, and we're still in the flesh. And this flesh is a hard person to battle. Ourselves, this flesh, and the world, and the devil. You got three enemies fighting you all the time. You're just trying to live that, that Christian life, trying to live, give a good testimony. And it's hard. I'm not trying to make excuses, but it is hard. And the Lord says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's a hard, crucified life we're living. But man, when you think about your own words judging you. I've seen the guys that I'd ride with, and I'd ride with them eight hours a day in a crane truck. Eight hours a day in a crane truck. And one week, they're they're talking about one thing, and then they contradict themselves the next week. They'd say one thing, and then they contradict themselves. And it'd be, it'd be so funny, and I'd be like, you just said, you said you hated that. And now this week you love it. And then if you give them three more weeks, they'll say they love it again and hate it again. And like, it's a pe- we just, con- our own words contradict themselves. You know what I found out? I would do the same thing. And I'd be, I'd be speaking, I'd say something, I'd be like, oh man, I hope they don't remember me saying last week that this, that, and another. And I'd look over at them, and they'd just be riding along like they didn't even hear me. I'm like, oh, good, I'm glad they didn't hear me. It was so bad that I'd try to justify my own self. I'd say, well, you know, last week I said I didn't like this, but really the reason why, and I'd try to justify my own words. I'm just a hypocrite. And God warns us, your own words, Job says, he says, uh, mine own mouth shall condemn me. Your own mouth is going to condemn you. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. But I say, this is Jesus speaking, but I say unto you that every You can underline that. Every idle word. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Wow. Every idle word. Christian, you're going to have to give account of it at the judgment seat of Christ. When Christ judges you, not for your salvation, but judges you for your works, you're going to give account of. But lost man, lost woman, you're going to give account to God for your words. See, there's people that are going to stand before God and they're going to try to justify themselves by saying, well, I didn't think there's anything wrong with stealing. Because God's going to open up those books and say, well, a certain, certain day, I saw that you, a certain, certain day you stole, you took this money. And they're going to say, well, I didn't think there's anything wrong with stealing. And God's going to say, okay. And he's going to flip back. Well, on a certain, certain day, on November the 26th in 2023, you said, 
all thieves are, I can't stand thieves. You shouldn't be stealing. He's going to read it all back to you. Your own words are going to condemn you. I never heard about Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, well, on a certain, certain day, you had an aunt, you had an uncle, you had a grandmother, you had a granddad, you had a brother, you had a sister, you had a friend, you had a co-worker, and they invited you to church. They tried to tell you about Jesus Christ, and you scoffed and said, well, I don't need none of that. I don't need Jesus. That's just, you're a bunch of fakers, just a bunch of hypocrites. I didn't mean it, Lord. I didn't mean it. That's what you said. That's what you said. Your own words. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of thereof in the day of judgment. Does that scare you? With somebody like with a mouth like me, that really scares me. That scares me. But look at verse 17. Let me give you some, I mean, verse 37. Let me give you some good news. For by thy words... Thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. How can your words justify you? How can your words make you right in God's eyes? Here's the words that make you right in God's eyes. I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm a wicked sinner, Lord. Will you please save me? I put my faith in you, Lord Jesus. That justifies you. When you stand before God and say, Well, Lord, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm, not, I'm a no good sinner, but I trusted in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I, told, I, told, I, I prayed, I asked you to save me. You're saved. Come on in. You're justified. But by your, look, but by your words, by thy words, thou shalt be condemned. Your, own word, your words, not the pastor's, not anybody else's, your own words are going to be what's going to condemn you. Some of y'all don't believe that, but that's as true and terrifying is anything I could ever tell you in this church that your words are going to condemn you. The biggest lie Satan ever told is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie straight out of hell. Words do hurt you. Words hurt you not only hurt other people you say them to, they hurt you because you're going to give account of them. I'm, I didn't put that in your Bible. Jesus said that. I know y'all don't like it, but it's right there. And I know what you're thinking. I've been talking about hell. And you hear people say, I hate those hellfire brimstone preachers. I hate those hellfire brimstone preachers. Don't, you, shouldn't be scaring people into he, you shouldn't be scaring people into heaven. I'm not trying to scare people into heaven. I'm trying to scare people out of hell. You should be showing love. It's just like if I was to come in here and say, man, don't go outside. There's a crazy madman out there and he's shooting everybody. Don't, you shouldn't be scaring people like that, Pastor. You should be showing them in love. Okay, okay, here you go. I love you. Now, don't go outside. There's a madman out there shooting everybody. When you're talking about and you really believe it, do you believe it, though? If you really believe that if you don't have Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell, and I believe that, I, I'm obligated to warn you, there's a hell waiting on you. Y'all know Brother Chad Reese? I had him in here multiple times preaching revivals. I was out street preaching with Brother Chad Reese down in Pensacola, Florida, and this man was coming out there, and he walked by, and Chad was trying to witness to him, and the man said, well, I don't know why you're out here preaching. He goes, well, man, he goes, it's like you're sitting on a second, Chad said, you're, second on, you're sitting on a second floor of a building, and I look down, and there's a fire down there, and I'm here telling you, there's fire up there. You got a fire down there. You better get out of here. There's a fire, and it's your, it's your choice to believe it or not believe it. But if I don't tell you there's a fire down there, then God's going to hold me accountable. I've got to tell you, there's fire below you. There's a fire. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. I don't want to hear that. I know you don't want to hear it, but you're going to burn. I didn't want to hear it. 
What you don't want to hear is not that you, what you don't want to hear is that you don't want to, that you don't want to burn. What you don't want to hear is that you're a rotten, no good sinner. You don't want to hear that. You don't like to hear that. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you're a sinner condemned going to hell without Jesus Christ. I was too without Jesus Christ. Now I'm a sinner going to heaven. But I admit I'm a sinner. Jesus Christ said, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, love, 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 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all know the verse. Two verses later, Jesus Christ says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. I believe I'm not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You're condemned. You're just waiting for the sentencing. And that's what we're reading, brothers and sisters. Sisters, you're waiting for a sentencing. You're waiting for Jesus Christ to sentence you and to throw you into hell. The only difference between me and you, if you're saved and lost, the only difference between me and you is I've already had the payment paid. It was paid on the cross of Calvary when Jesus was hanging for my sin. My sin's already been paid. If not, you're going to pay for your own. You're going to answer for your own. He said, what are you saying? If God was to open up my book and say, here's the book of Keegan's life. Let's just look at this sorry, no good sinner. And I'm here to tell you I am. When he was to start to looking at that, and the devil was to start opening it in that book. I'm just, I want to show you, God, what Keegan's done. And the devil would open up my book, and he'd get to looking at it. And God would say, what's wrong, devil? Well, there's, there's a problem here. What's the problem, devil? Well, every page I turn to, it's covered in the blood. I can't read it. It's covered in the blood. I'm not going to be thrown in hell because my sins have been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. My account's already been settled long ago. My account's been settled long ago because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Now, it's a free country. You can do what you want to do. If you want to stand before God in your own sin and your own righteousness and you think you're good enough, more power to you. But for me, I know how sorry no good sinner I am. I know I don't stand a chance. And as soon as I started hearing the gospel, gospel message that the good news is Jesus Christ died for your sins, man, it didn't take long for me to say, you know what, I think I want some of that. I want that fire insurance. Because I don't want to answer for my own sin. That's what's happening here. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The reason, the reason people don't want don't to believe that there's, the reason people don't like to hear the message of hellfire and damnation, don't like to hear that message, is not that, it's the simple truth is they don't believe. They, just don't, they either don't want to believe or they don't believe. And I can't make you believe. I can't make you have that faith. You can say, man, I don't believe there even is a God. Well, I think the Bible says you're a fool. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. And you're even bigger, because the Bible says in your heart you said there is no God. You're saying it out loud, you're even bigger fool than that. When you see this creation, you see the design, even athe atheistic scientists are coming to the realization that there has to be an intelligent designer in this universe. They don't say there's a, they don't say there's a God. They don't say it's a, it's a monistic God. They don't say it's a, the Jehovah God. They just said there has to be an intelligent designer. It's called ID. It's an intelligent designer. This thing just fits way too close together to just to happen. But if you want to believe there's no God, go right on believing that. 
But that's why you don't want, you don't want to hear about hell because you just don't want to believe. Brother Packer had a friend over, had a lady friend over. I know her real well. And she was over at the house visiting. He lives out in the country. He, lived, he has a big old acre ranch out there. And he went out there outside to walk her outside. And he looked down the steps. There was a big old rattlesnake coiled down the steps. And here she comes. She come out the front door. And if you knew Brother Packer, he's always joking around. And he said, hey, hey, don't go down there. There's a big rattlesnake. She said, I don't believe you. And she just walked right down through there. He said, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. He was yelling at her. And she just walked right down through there. And he ran back in the house, got the flashlight, got the flashlight, shined it down there. She turned around, and there was a big old rattlesnake coiled up down there. Her eyes got about this big. He said she almost fainted. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in hell. And then you take your last breath. Then we'll see who's right or wrong. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. I believe that sea would be when the, at the flood, when God's destroying everybody at the flood in Genesis chapter 6. There's something going on there because we'll see in, Gen in Revelation 21 that the seas are done away with. There's no more sea. That's salt water. The sea gave up the dead which are in it, and death and hell delivered the dead which are in them. That'd be Sheol. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. There it is, according to your works. That's how you're going to be judged. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The second death is simply that you're resurrected and you're put back into a body and you're judged by God in your body and then you're thrown into a lake of fire. And he said that's the second death. Look at Revelation 21 verse 8. Revelation 21 verse 8. And we're getting close to closing. I'm closing. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, unbelieving, unbelieving, and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, all liars, all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All liars. Do we have any liars in here? All liars. You ever told a lie? All liars. Liars, liars, pants on fire. Where do we get that from? You're looking at it right there. All liars have their part with the burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Back in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. He said, well, I'm not a murderer. You ever hated somebody? I've never committed murder. You ever hated somebody? The Bible says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. That's First John. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. That's 1 John. I didn't write that in there. That's in there already. <laughs> 1 John 3.15. So I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. You ever lusted after a woman? Jesus Christ himself said, if you've lusted after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. You're not going to get out of this judgment. You're not going to be found righteous in your own eyes. Some people really are that way. Some people really are, they really do believe they're righteous enough to stand before God and they have a right to get into heaven. I'll tell you who you can't fool. You can't fool a preacher. You know why I'm so hard about it? Because I have to deal with so many people and so many different walks of life. And so many, I'm talking about, I deal with people that are really, really wealthy and I deal with people who are really, really poor. And this is the great truth that I know about people. Everybody has problems. 
Everybody has problems. Some people are just better at hiding it than others. So you might fool your mom. You might have your aunt or your mom fool that you're an angel. But you can't fool this old bald-headed preacher. Everybody's a sinner. Some of us are worse than others, amen. I'm not trying to make you like... <laughs> I'm not trying to get you mad at me. But we're all sinners. And, we're, and the Bible tells us that. I'm not trying to tell something that's not true. All our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah. You're going to stand before God and you're going to stand in your righteousness and they're going to be like filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. You think you're really special until you get around Jesus Christ and God. See, Peter thought he was pretty special. Jesus showed up. Jesus pulled the fish out there. You know what Peter did? When Peter first encountered Jesus, the first time Peter encountered Jesus, you know what Peter did? Peter got down on his hands and knees and says, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. That's what Peter said. Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. You, when you're, see, you, you, what, what's the problem is you're judging yourself around other people. Well, I'm not so bad as my neighbor. I'm not so bad as my, as my co-worker. I'm not so bad as my brother or sister. I'm actually better than them. Yeah, you probably are. But compared to Jesus Christ, you're still a sinner. You're not, I told you from the very beginning, you're not going to be judged by, this is my good works, this is my bad works, this is me, and this is my sorry no good neighbor over here. Now, God judges. That's not how God judges you. God's going to say, here you are, and here's Jesus Christ. Now, that's his righteousness. Can you meet it? And you're not going to be able to meet it. And the only way you're going to get out of that judgment is to allow God to take Jesus Christ's righteousness and put it on you. And that only takes place through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 15 in closing. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast, cast into the lake of fire. So in that judgment as you're standing before God being judged, He's going to read all your works, He's going to read all your judgment, and then he's going to say at the end, he's going to say, open up the book of life. Look for the name. And he's going to go through there and he's going to look for your name. And he's going to go down the row. And he's going to say, the angel's going to say, Lord, I don't find their name here. And according to Philippians, God's going to say, okay, get him. And the angel will come over there and you're going to have to get down on your knees. And you're going to have to confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And they're going to get you up off your knees and they'll take you and throw you into a devil's hell. Notice I said, devil's hell. Hell was never meant for me and you. God got you out of it. The devil's always going to go to hell. You don't have to go. You got a way out through Jesus Christ. He loves you enough to die for you and to give you eternal life. All you got to do is put your faith in him. Just believe. Just believe. He that believeth, he that believeth in the Son of God is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned. It's all about belief. You say, well, that's just too easy, Pastor. Yeah, God's going to make it easy. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works. You're not going to get to heaven and say, man, God, I did this and did this, and you had to let me into heaven. God's not going to allow that. You're not going to get any glory in heaven. Jesus Christ is going to get all the glory. That's why we sing about him. That's why we praise him. That's why we preach him. That's why we get in here and pray to him. That's why we try to devote our life to him because he's done so much for us. You know, Jesse Ventura, the old wrestler that was the governor of Minnesota one time, he, he had the Playboy interviewed him, and he said, Christianity, he goes, that's just a crutch for people. That's what Jesse Ventura said. That shows you how stupid Jesse Ventura is. Christianity isn't a crutch. It's our whole life. 
Jesse, it isn't a crutch for me. It's my whole life. It's my whole breath. It's what I'm leaning everything on. I'm leaning my whole life on Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for him, I'm going to hell. It isn't a crutch. It's my whole life. And if, it isn't, if he isn't your whole life, you better check yourself. Because this is a terrifying thing to think. People are going to stand before God at that white throne judgment. He's going to judge them for their works. If you want to get out of that, take Jesus Christ. If you don't want to get out of it and you want to, you want to take your own chances, go right on ahead. But this morning, if you want Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, come on down. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. 
I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.